this morning, uh, we're going to be doing a, another uh, message on culture shift. Have you guys been enjoying this so far? All right. So we're going to keep going for it. And this morning, I want to talk about uh, the way we think. I'll drink to that. How many know it's important that we, um, that we renew our minds? Amen. I mean, we've heard a million messages. How many have heard just tons and tons of messages on renewing the mind? Come on, raise your hand. And I think those are all good messages, and I'm glad you learned them. Um, but I want to I take a little different approach because we're always concerned about what we think. How many think it's important? What we think is important, right? But, but God, I think, wants us to th- learn to think differently. In other words... Um, today, what we're going to be talking about, you can put that slide up there. I want you to take a look at this. Uh, we're going to be looking at, oh, that blue, just woo, the blue. I'm glad it's big letters. God changes how we think, not just what we think. Does that make sense? See, it doesn't just change what we think. Like our, not only are thoughts differently, because, you know, we could, we could be focused on something and, and thinking about something and, and just there's our thoughts and, and it just, we change the focus of our minds and, and our thoughts can be differently. But how many know that when, when God does something within us that we actually think differently, in other words, the way we think, the pattern in which our thoughts are formed are different. Uh, sometimes, you know, we can even struggle with thoughts. You know, we quote these verses, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. And, and we have formulas to try to, try to think uh, different thoughts or to try to think, uh, you know, something else. But how many know that we need, we need God uh, to, to do something deep within our thought patterns? And, and the way we think changes the way we live. I mean, I think we all know that, right? I, I mean, that's pretty simple. We understand that if we think differently, our life is going gonna, is gonna to change. There's, there's, we're going to do different things. Uh, but I want to talk to you this morning about how we think, how we should think differently, not necessarily what we're thinking, but how we're thinking, because we need to go a little deeper. And this morning, I might talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the wrong paradigms that we've learned that we think that if we just renew our mind, then everything changes. And, and I want to kind of undo that, and, and I want I want to show you some things in Scripture, and I want to talk a little bit about the historical context in which the Bible was written. Uh, because many times we read it with the lens of our historical context, which is present day, and we're not reading in a first century. And the, the worldview in which the Bible was written was not a Greek worldview, it was a Hebrew worldview. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about how we have formed our own lenses. And so we somehow ha- have elevated our minds, and, and we shouldn't uh, you know, discount the intellect. I believe that God sanctifies the intellect. I believe that we should have authority over our minds. But in some ways, we've we've elevated our intellect, thinking that if we just if we can just take every thought captive, or if we can just think something else, uh, you know, whatever I'm thinking, if I think something different, then then I'm going to be different. And yes, that's true. But I want to take it a little deeper, and I want to get to the root of it and how that actually happens. Um, because the way we take our thoughts captive is by allowing our hearts to be captivated. You know, a lot of times we, we think that the center of our, who we are is just in our thoughts, in our mind. But that's not, that's not the Hebrew worldview, nor is that the biblical worldview uh, in which we need to learn. 
so that we can think the way God wants us to think. But we don't want to just think different things. We want to think a different way. And so that's what I want to share with you this morning. And I'm going to give you two points today. Uh, two is the number of witness. Woo, come on, somebody. So if any of you, if you feel like standing up and, and just shouting me down, please do it. Um, but but if, you, uh, if you're next to somebody that's doing that and, and they're just acting crazy, then you just need to act like them. Praise God. Okay, so, so this morning we're going to start in, uh, I believe, the scriptures in 1 Corinthians. Okay, so if you could open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, if we could put it up there. I don't have any notes today, so I only have some scripture written down. So this morning we're going to start reading. Now, this is powerful stuff right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Are you guys ready? ready? Let's go for it. So it says here, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen nor uh, what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived. Now, before we keep reading, just think about that for a minute. Uh, Paul is writing here. He's quoting something in the Old Testament. He's trying to reveal to the church of Corinth about the message and the wisdom of God that has been kept secret uh, since, you know, long ages past. And, And he's telling them here, listen, you can't even conceive in your mind what God is doing and, and in this message, uh, what he's going to do. And so it's interesting that it says that they're conceived in the mind. The things which God has prepared, come on somebody, for those who love him. Let's just give God a shout of praise and thank him that he has good things prepared for us. Come on. Now, if we're not walking in that, then then maybe we just need to realize that that uh, we need to think differently, or or maybe we need to realize that if it's if the good things that He's prepared for us, if we're walking in bad things, know that it's not God's will that we're walking in something that isn't good. Come on, and and not everything that happens uh, is God's will. That's why we're called to pray. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So let's keep reading here. Verse 10. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. So he says, no eye has seen, nor ears heard, nor has it been conceived in in the mind the things that God has prepared. Another version says this, but God has revealed them. A lot of people just stop at verse 9. How many know that God has revealed them to us? So we're not like in the dark. Mystery, it's not mystery concealed, it's mystery revealed. It's mystery that we need to discover. I believe in mystery. But I want you to understand that God is not behind a veil. He has revealed who he is in the person of Jesus, in the incarnate word. He says, this is what I look like and I love you. So we're not waiting. Oh God, I don't know what God has prepared for me. No, we know God is good. We know God is love. We know God is light. Come on, you guys are just asleep right now. Go back out to the foyer. Dismiss row by row and get some coffee and wake up. I'm telling you, we got to get this next verse, but God has revealed these things to us by his spirit deep within our hearts. So we don't have to walk with our eyes closed thinking that we're not sure what's next. I don't know what God's going to do. I hope it's good. I hope he's not going to send me to wrath and this and judgment. And no, God has good plans for you and he loves you. And all you got to do is just, just surrender your heart to him. And so the, the scripture goes on, says, this is what God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. Verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Now, I want, I want to teach you for a minute. So Paul's saying, listen, you're, there's something about the way we think connected to our spirits. I want you to think about that for a minute. So the way we think, the pattern in which we think, 
Not just what we think, how we think. The way we think is connected to our spirits. God does a deep work within us. He does things inside of us. And, and I want to I share with you, uh, in, after this verse, we're going to talk about point one. But here's what it says. It says, uh, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Okay, so he's saying, listen, the Spirit of God is what reveals these things, reveals the thoughts of God. Now we're talking about a culture shift. How many want to know the thoughts of God? How many know what God is thinking, what's on God's mind? And so it goes on. Let's go to the next verse. It says, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who's from God, so that when we that we may understand what God has freely given to us. Amen. Number one, here's what we need. We need, uh, as we embrace this culture shift so we can think differently, we need a spirit-formed life. Say spirit-formed. Now, it goes deep. It's not, it's not just like renewing our minds, like that's all we have to do. I just, I just need to renew our minds so if I memorize more scripture then I'm going to think differently. That's not how it works. It doesn't just work within the mind. Now, there's, there's a connection within your heart to your mind, to your eyes, to your ears. We are one part, uh, spirit, soul, and body, all you know, meshed into one being. And, and sometimes we over-compartmentalize, and then we, we think the center of who we are is our minds. And that's what I want to talk to you about right now with point one, is as the spirit forms us, he forms deep within our hearts and our mind follows our hearts. So when we want to take thoughts captive, just allow our hearts to be captivated. See, when I rest in, in knowing that God loves me, my thoughts begin to change. When my heart is set on, and, and, I, and I just open up my heart to the love of God, it changes the way I think. So if I'm, if I'm struggling with condemnation, I need, to, I need to open my heart to the love of God. And when I open my heart to the love of God, condemnation has no room in my thoughts. It will not reign in my thoughts. You know, sometimes we, we formulize things in Christianity because we're Western Christians. We don't realize the influence of Greek philosophy and, and the Greco-Roman world that, that the church was merged into in the first few centuries and some of the things that have happened, we're learning a lot of this in, in uh, our School of Theology and Supernatural Living. We have our church history board out, and it's full of 2,000 years of church history. And it just gets fuller and fuller. Matter of fact, uh, this Wednesday, uh, our on-site class, we're probably going to have to erase the board, and we'll make sure we take pictures of it and, and redo the last two centuries because there's not enough room especially focusing on what God's done in the last two centuries. But sometimes we don't realize why we think certain ways. And so we think certain ways because we've inherited uh, views of God. We've inherited our own things about, you know, how, how this all works. And, and even when we read scripture, like you can memorize scripture till you're blue in the face, but if you think God is a mean ogre, then you're going to only retain what your heart is open to. You know, I want you to get this, that even Jesus, when he's teaching things like, listen, if a woman or if a man looks at a woman with lust in, eye, lust in his eye, he's already committed adultery in his heart. That's what the Bible says, right? Now, most of the time when you hear that, it's like, well, you just committed adultery in your mind, in your heart. So it's the same thing. Sin is sin. Well, yeah, there's a truth. There's a reality to that. But I think you want, what you want to understand in context, Jesus is trying to show them 
you know, he, he's trying to say, if your, your eyes are gravitated to something, hear me, your heart is already open to that thing. So, so, so many times we think, well, I just, oh my gosh, I can't, oh, you know, men, you go to a men's meeting, it's like, men, men of God, you got to put blinders on. True. But if you orient your heart at the right thing, your eyes will not gravitate to the wrong thing. And, and I want you to get this, that the mind follows the heart. Say it with me. The mind follows the heart. Now listen, the heart is the core. The word core uh, in the Greek is cardia. It's where we get the word cardio, like your heart. But in the New Testament, this is the, the understanding we have in the Old Testament. This is the understanding. It says that Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. John 7, 37 to 39, Jesus says, if you believe in me, if you're thirsty, uh, you come and drink. And if you believe in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water, out of their belly, out of their innermost being. The, the word heart is cardia. It means core. So the heart is the center of your being. As a matter of fact, when we talk about repentance, we sometimes water that definition down and say, well, it means change the way you think. Well, first of all, we'll say, oh, it means turn from sin. That's just one part of it. Amen? Or oh, it just means change the way you think. So, okay, I'm repenting. I'm changing the way I think. I'm changing the way I think. Renewing my mind. Renewing my mind. And we're quoting scripture all day, but our heart is set on something entirely different. I mean, you could be in prayer and your mind just starts wandering. Hello? That's why prayers turn into gossip sessions sometimes. Come on, somebody. Start thinking about those people that, and Lord, we bring, we pray for so-and-so because, mm, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Your mind wanders. And so if your mind's wandering, then your heart is, is, is out of sync. Your heart is not open to the right thing. If your eyes are looking at the wrong thing or your mind's thinking about the wrong thing, your heart needs to get set on the right thing. The heart is the center of your being. And this is really profound. We teach this in our school. We literally take a few weeks at a time. And we, on the whiteboard, we, we talk about the spirit, the soul, and the body. We've over-compartmentalized it in Western Christianity. And, and we, we say, well, the spirit's this, and then the soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Now, that's what Aristotle taught. That's Greek philosophy. We can't limit the soul just to the mind, will, and emotions. There is a psyche, there is a reality that it is part of that. But, and the body is not just your, you, you know, the, the body in the, in the Bible, it says that the body is also a temple of the Holy Spirit. We over-compartmentalize things. We think, well, the body's bad, but the, and the soul is being saved, and, and your spirit's saved. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that your spirit can be defiled. 23 verses after it says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, the verse usually used, 2 Corinthians 5.17, to say that your spirit's perfect. 23 verses later, says, no, Paul says, cleanse yourself from the defilement of the spirit and of the flesh. You see, our Greek thinking has contaminated the way that we understand ourselves, the way we see God. And so we've got to take a look and say, wait a minute, is the mind the center of my being or is the heart the center of my being? Because if the heart's the center of my being, I need, to, I need to set my heart on some things. All right, let me just read some more scripture to you. Did I give you enough? Spirit formed. Romans, let's read Romans uh, chapter 8. It's cut off on the bottom. It is Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Um, it's cut off on the top too. That's weird, huh? Okay, those who live according to the flesh have set their mind on the things that the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Leave it up for just a minute. 
I want you to read this now. Now, if you read this with our normal Western lens, we think, well, if I just set my mind on the things of the Spirit, then I'll live according to the Spirit. Isn't that how we always read it? Have you been taught it like that? You've been reading it wrong. Let's read it again. The plain reading of Scripture, if we unpack these things that we've learned or that we need to unlearn, and we take off the lenses that we've inadvertently inherited, we can read it right. Those who what? Live according. Live according. Say live according. That's a spirit-formed life. That's when God is working within you. His spirit's breathing within you, within your spirit, within your heart. Galatians 4, 6 says that Paul's saying, listen, the spirit of Christ comes and indwells your heart. It indwells, where does God indwell? He lives in your heart. When, when uh, Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus, he says this, he says, I pray that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. Come on. You guys are so alive this morning, man. You must have attended the Presbyterian church down the street before you came here. I love Presbyterians. I love all the body of Christ. Don't, I, I'm not hating. It's just a joke. Okay. Those who live according. Oh, thank you for fixing that. Ladies and gentlemen, Victoria in the back. Woo! Luis is probably like, I hoped. Hey, you run sound, bro. You get enough credit for everything else. Okay. Those who live according. Live according to the spirit. Live according to the flow. I'd like to think of it as like a river. You jump in the river of God. You're pushed into destiny in the spirit. Or you could live according to unhealthy desires. Notice it says the flesh, not your flesh. Because your flesh is a myth. Your flesh was crucified with Christ. The flesh is carnal desires. The flesh is what we, what we can walk under if we live under the reign of, the, of sin and death. Romans chapter 6 says the old man died with Jesus. Come on, somebody. We still try to resurrect him with funky theology. We need to walk in the new man, the new man. This is what the Bible says. If you live according to the flesh, the flesh is not your flesh. We think the flesh is like some weird pet animal that we carry on our shoulder, like a little dragon. Well, don't bring my flesh out because I'll tell you something right now. Like we warn people, you don't want me in the flesh, girl. You... <laughs> because I'll tell you something, you know, you, like we're going to knock somebody out. and You get me in the flesh. That's not what the flesh is. The flesh, when, you're, when you are yielded to the reign of sin and death, the flesh, it's a carnal appetite. It's like that human nature, if, if we will, that not, not sin nature. It's mistranslated sin nature, even in the uh, New International Version in chapter 7. I'm giving you a lot of stuff right now. Do you feel like you're drinking from a fire hose? I'm sorry. I had some really good coffee this morning. Come on, somebody. Woo, Glory. <laughs> So we got to get this. The flesh is not just some, it's not, it's my flesh. Oh, my. No, it's the flesh. It's the nature. It's human nature. It's the lower nature, metaphorically, if you will. It's, it's animalistic. It's like, you know, a dog has a dog nature and humans have a human nature. Now in Christ, human nature is good. Come on, somebody. We got a new nature. Why? Because he, he comes and he indwells our heart. We're born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed by the word of God that lives and abides forever. First Peter 1.23. So he comes and phew, the core of our being, we're changed. Now that grows, we mature in that. We discover God and, and who he is and his love for us and that changes. But I want you to get this. It's not setting your mind on something that changes you and pushes you to live in the spirit or the flesh. It's living according to the spirit is what changes the way you think. Isn't that what the scripture is saying? Now you can read it 
uh, study it, dig into this. But I'm telling you right now, this is what the, the Bible's teaching here. Paul is not telling the church in Rome, which is composed of Greeks and Jews, he's not saying, if you just think differently, then your life will, will be right. If you just think differently, no, he's saying, if you live according to the Spirit, your thoughts will change. If you live according to the Spirit, your thoughts are going to change. You'll think differently. Not just what you think, how you think. A Spirit-breathed, Spirit-formed thought pattern. You know, in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 26, uh, God is saying, I'm going to give, I'm going to make a new covenant with, with my people. And he says this, he says, I'm going to give them a new heart and I'm going to put a new spirit within them. Well, why is that the first thing he mentions? He says, I'm not going to forget, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forget their sin. I'm going to forgive them and, and I'm going to cause them to walk in my statutes. In other words, the spirit is the flow of his spirit is literally going to push us into destiny. Because in the Old Testament, it was enforced obedience. In the New Covenant, it's empowered obedience. Oh, come on, man. We've been learning it all wrong. We think, oh, God, if I just need to obey God. When you hear God, your heart as a new creation says, oh, yes. Now, you have to choose. But there's power. There's grace. There's ability to walk in what God has called you to walk in. Come on, somebody. Would you just give him a shout of praise right now? So he goes on, he says, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have set their minds, uh, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. All right, now let's jump down to the other verses. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So he's, this, is the, this is the process here. You live in, in the Spirit, your mind is going to be governed by peace. If you live in the flesh, it's, it's not going to be fun. Come on, somebody. All right, go down to verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now, here's another one. Well, I've got to be led by the Spirit so I can be a son. No, you're a son, therefore you're led. We're reading it wrong. Take the glasses off. We need a new prescription. Take Western Christian thinking off, and, and let's read it the right way. Paul's not saying, now, in the, in the Greek culture, yes, the mind was the center of your being. And we don't discount the mind. The mind, I mean, come on, we can renew our minds, but it happens as we open our hearts to things. The heart is the center of our being. Let's keep reading here. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Woo, glory. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies. Say testify. Oh, man, I like the way some of you guys said that testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're God's children, then we are heirs. If heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, the scripture I quoted you earlier in, in Galatians 4, 6, later on in that chapter is where Paul says, I am praying that I want to see Christ formed in you. And so the spirit testifies with our spirit in our inner being in our within our hearts the holy spirit the spirit of christ indwells our hearts galatians 4 6 and he actually says the same thing that he's writing to the church of rome he says i uh, you're no longer slaves you don't have to live in fear you are adopted and you cry out abba father so powerful so powerful i could teach a, about a hundred messages on this verse right here uh, about the love of God and understanding God as Father. So the spirit formation of your life is what will help you 
not only think different thoughts, but think in a different way. Amen? You guys like that? Okay, point two. Let's go to point two. Reorientation. That sounds like school. Ugh. How many just checked out? Because orientation, like, ugh, or work. Like, got to go to orientation. So here, here's point number two, reorientation. Repentance isn't just changing the way you think. Repentance isn't just turning away from sin. Repentance is a radical reorientation of your being. And it begins with your heart. It begins with you setting your heart upon heaven. Setting your heart upon heaven. You know, even the scripture talks about setting your, your eyes and affections, your affections you know, in, in the Hebrew culture, that word affection literally means from the bowels, from the deep places of where our Christian uh, agape love and benevolence comes from. It's from the deep places. Set your eyes and affections. You, you see, when, when our heart is reoriented, we see things differently and we think differently. We hear things differently. Come on, somebody. You know that if you talk to someone who's offended, you could compliment them a hundred times, but they'll only hear the one thing you said that wasn't much of a compliment. They won't hear the 99 things you said where you just blessed and loved them and spoke truth to them. You know it's true. You know, it's like, man, your outfit looks great. Where'd you get those shoes? What's wrong with my shoes? No, I'm saying those are cool shoes too. I didn't say they weren't bad. But we retain selectively based upon the focus of our hearts. The focus of our hearts. It, it, you know, matter of fact, the focus of our hearts will change everything. Like we, we hear things differently, we see things differently, and we'll gravitate our lives, hear me, we'll gravitate in the wrong direction based upon our heart's orientation. Literally gravitate. We'll find ourselves in bad company. We'll find ourselves around a bunch of offended people if we stay offended. We'll find ourselves around people that are bitter and don't like the church or whatever. I mean, you, you have, you know, like people at work and you're, everyone's talking bad about the boss. And, and you're like, yeah, you know what? I don't like the boss either. He don't let me do this and that. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself gravitating toward a wrong spirit within the workplace. How many think that's healthy? Nope, that's not healthy. Whether there's bad things going on or not, God calls us to honor, to love, to pray, to work, and to do everything heartily as unto the Lord. Come on, somebody. And, and so this is the last point. We're just doing two points. And, and I want you to, I want you to uh, just read some scripture with me out of Psalm 73, and we're going to be closing. Psalm 73. This is one of my favorite psalms. I, man, this psalm is so profound to me. And this exemplifies the reorientation that should always take place within us as believers. How many know sometimes our heart just gets set on the wrong stuff? When our heart is set on the wrong stuff, then our eyes are going to be set on the wrong stuff. Our perspective is skewed. Our vision is blurred. Our, Our hearing is dull. But when our hearts are oriented in the right place, Oh, everything changes. And when, and when that happens, we, we live differently. And that's when we, we see a, a, a culture shift. That's when we actually see. Because you could, again, you could just, I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to change. I'm going to listen to, you know, all these motivational speakers. I'm going to memorize this. And, but that, if that doesn't do a work in your being, a work in your heart, how many know it's just exterior? It's, it's just motivation. But there's a revelatory thing. There's a deep work of the spirit that happens 
But we have to respond and we have to choose to orient our hearts at heaven. And that's what this psalm is about. So let's read it together. Are you all ready? Verse 1, surely God is good to Israel. To those who, how come you guys are reading it with me? What's going on? Oh, you can. I just, it was throwing me off. I'm like, why is everyone reading it with me? Uh, Scared me, man. Jesus, is there angels in here? What's going on? Uh, let me just read it so I can, because I might stop. Is that cool? Can, can I read it? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Praise God. I love y'all. Uh, you look good today, by the way. Where'd you get those shoes? I looked at Gus's shoes when I said that, but he's reading the Bible. Reading ahead. Probably reading ahead. That, Gus, it's your last Sunday. You're reading ahead. I'm just playing. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now, this is written by Asaph. He was a seer, the Bible says. He was a seer. I think that's important because sometimes we don't realize as prophetic people that we could be seeing the wrong thing because our heart is open to the wrong thing. And if we're seeing the wrong thing, then we're going to start declaring the wrong thing. Oh, prophesying this and prophesying that, prophesying destruction, prophesying. And we forget the the gift of prophecy is predominantly for comfort and exhortation in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, there's times it's correction and direction. We find it in the book of Acts, but that's the office of a prophet. And we think we're called to to be this watchman in the body of Christ. And we just exalt ourselves. Well, God told me, so no, no, no. And we start declaring all this stuff. But the, the psalmist as a seer and a chief musician is sharing the honesty of his heart that his heart got put was oriented in the wrong direction. Therefore, his perspective was off. If we keep seeing things off, we might need to reorient our hearts. Reorientation. Reorientation, a radical reorientation. We've got to, you know, there's times in my life that I'm just like, you know, how many have those days? How many had a week like that? Everything just annoys you. Come on, can we just be honest? You're in church. Come on, somebody. Just everything's annoying me. You know, today or this week, like my kids, I'm like, just be quiet. I just need a quiet room right now. I'm not an introvert, but sometimes I need to recharge alone. I love being around people, but there's a time where I just need some peace and quiet. And sometimes I got to find, like, where, what's, my, what's going on in my heart? Like, I need to, I need to orient. I start seeing things that, that I don't have when I, because I'm not looking at the things I do have. And, and, I, and when I just see the things I don't have and I, and I don't value what I have, then maybe I need to reorient. I need to reorient my heart, the direction of my heart, not just my thoughts, my heart. My mind follows my heart. And that's what this psalm is about, beautiful psalm. As for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You ever been there? Why are they prospering? They're not living right. You know, we have, and we could just, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I'm not going to talk about the reason. I'm going to talk about the reorientation, what we need to deal with when our hearts get like that. 
there's an envy. There's a bunch of ninjas back there. Oh, my, don't look around. It's just, no, look, real quick. There's ninjas outside. Everybody, pray for the ninjas. No, there's a martial arts place next door. That's pretty cool, man. What's up, yo? Open the door real quick. I'll mess with one. You want some? In front of all these people, I get whooped. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> no, they're very peaceful. They're peaceful. Praise God. Wow, that was a total ADD moment, big time. <laughs> I'm really not that ADD, I promise. It's the coffee. It's the coffee. <laughs> so, so the psalmist is dealing with something that's going on in his heart. He's like, man, I, I'm envying the prosperity of the wicked. Why are they prospering? I'm doing all the right things. I mean, have we ever looked at someone we know, neighbor, friend, relative, like they're smoking crack and I'm in church and they're getting all the good stuff? Hello? I mean, have we ever just like in, in, our, in our hearts begin to envy the wrong thing, the wrong, looking at prosperity, whether it's not just prosperity with finances and we're like, I'm broke and I'm given and this person's making money and they're slinging. Have you, I mean, if, if we've never honestly engaged our heart, then we need to reorient. But there are times that we got to reorient. You know, like they're walking in their gift, and I've been serving for three years faithfully. And their gift, and they have a platform. Like, well, do you want a platform? Because if you still want a platform, then maybe you need to reorient. If we're still looking for platform or position, we're not ready for either. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. The culture of heaven is not one that is rooted in platform, rooted in power, rooted in position, rooted in title. No, no, no. It's rooted in serving. It's rooted in people. It's rooted in loving. It's rooted in having a heart for God's people and functioning in such. Not a title. Come on. Apostle Bishop Pastor Zach. I'm going to change my Facebook right now. You better like it too when you know. And if you have Apostle Bishop, something that you're, I, I'm not talking, maybe I'm talking to you, but I didn't, it's not like passive aggressive, I promise. But how many know we need to just say titles, wait a minute, titles, like it's not about the title. He said, he's dealing with this stuff in his heart. Now look what he says in verse 11. They say, this is the wicked. He goes on, he begins to vent about the wicked. He begins to vent about the people he's envied. He says, they say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. They're always free of care, and they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. Let's just stop verse 15 for a minute. Man, the psalmist is being, he's, things are getting real. Things are getting, hashtag get real. Hashtag live authentic. The, the psalmist is saying, God, I, had I said what was in my heart in that moment, I would have betrayed your people. I would have led them astray. That's called ministering out of frustration. That's called preaching from bitterness. That's called leading, not from love but from lack. And the psalmist is saying, like, surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. I've thought that before. I've thought that before. Like, God, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing. 
and, I, and, I'm, and I'm seeing what God's doing. Why, why are we still dealing with some of the same things after seven years? Or whatever, however we want to look at it in our own life. God, I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm operating this business in integrity. Why isn't it prospering, God? We got to be honest with our own hearts. And when we're honest with our own hearts, then we can see where it's really oriented and then we can reorient. And that's what the Psalm's about. He goes on. I love this. He says, let me say this, a culture shift, one that when we are in a situation, when there's stuff going on, the turmoil storm, it doesn't mean we have to say it. It's one thing to think ill. It's another to say ill. And, and we need to see a culture shift in the body of Christ where we're not just blabbing the first frustration that comes to mind. Oh, come on. I'm preaching to myself now. We could all lay our tongues on the altar and let the fire of God. Come on. It goes on and he says, all day long I've been afflicted every morning brings new. Had I spoken out like that, he's oppressed with these thoughts. Have I cleansed my heart in vain? And then he says, when I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply. Now look what he says. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Oh, an honor and a zeal for the house of the Lord. It doesn't mean you have to be in a four walls. It doesn't mean, it means that you are rooted in community, but you gather in a corporate worship where we are building, being built together as living stones to be a dwelling place for God in the spirit. I love praying alone. I get blasted alone by the love of God, but oh, there's something about being right here on the front row. And I could just, I literally could have dismissed you after worship this morning. When I begin to worship God and sometimes you see me bust out my phone on Facebook and I'm doing a live feed because I want people to capture the wind and the love of heaven that's breathing and blowing in this place and I look up at my daughter Sarah and I just see her worshiping and her heart is oriented to heaven I'm like that's where my heart needs to be and then my heart just turns to heaven there's something about a body of people coming together where we all say yes where we all lift our voices where we all just say his praise shall continually abide in my mouth to worship you I live, I live to worship you. Come on, that's what we're made for. I'm telling you, there's something glorious about capturing the heart of the psalmist in this verse. Until I went to the sanctuary. Until I went to the sanctuary, until I came into the house of God and I said, wait a minute, I've been at this all wrong. I've been seeing things differently because my heart was set on the wrong things. I'm looking at what I don't have because I'm not valuing what I do have. Number one reason for affairs right there. You're looking for what you don't have because you don't value what you have. Oh, husbands and wives, but when you set your heart on your spouse, spouse, they're the most beautiful person on the planet. They're the, and when you bathe them with words of honor and love, when I look at my wife and I say, oh, baby, I love you. And I set my heart on my wife, she's perfect. I tell her too, I said, honey, you're perfect. When you value what you have, you're not looking for what you don't have. Oh, come on, just let it sink in deep right there with your kids, with your church. 
Wow, the music's too loud. Well, sit in the back, get some earplugs. Praise God. We always have something to say. We always have, and we can always find something. If we're looking for something, we'll always find it. If we're looking for it, we'll find it. But we're looking for the wrong stuff many times because our heart needs to reorient. Then he goes on, he says, now I know what's going to happen to the wicked. Read the whole psalm later. Read it. It's beautiful. He says, now I understand that the the people that are walking that way, it's not going to end well for them. Now let's read verse 21 through 26. This, This is it, man. This is my psalm. This is my psalm. This is, oh man. If I ever need to shift, if I ever need to reorient, I read the psalm. And I always dig deeper. I've taught on it many times. I, I like to dig deeper. And, and I just, man, I, it's like fresh every time. Here's what he says. When my heart was greed and my spirit embittered, I was, a sense, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Now, I love the honesty of the psalmist, Asaph, the seer, the chief musician. He's honest. He's like, man, I was a beast. I, was, I wasn't even thinking straight. I wasn't even thinking straight. Yet, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's there, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. Stop right there. Come on, I want you to think about this. Now, how many know there's things on earth we desire? And not all of them are bad. Amen. But he's saying, but the desires I have, in he- even in heaven. How many desire things in heaven too? Yeah? Like there, there's, there is an eternity, a realm of eternity. And ultimately, how many know we're going to rule and reign with Christ in glorified bodies right here on the planet? Come on, somebody. That's the Christian eschatology. has been for 2,000 years. Not floating bodiless for all eternity. Church didn't even believe that until the 5th century. But I want you to capture this. Even the things I desire in heaven, I desire heaven's worship. Oh, man. But that still won't compare to him. Even, oh, I desire a perfect body. That still doesn't compare to him on earth or on heaven, not just on earth. We have desires on earth. We love. There's things that we desire that aren't all bad. But how many, there's a place in your heart where you say, oh, there's none on earth or in heaven that I desire beside you. Oh, just having a heart reorientation, a reset, saying, oh, I love your presence. Sometimes being in the presence of God, there are moments where we detach and things come up in our heart and we could either be distracted or we could reorient. Say, no, I love your presence more than that, God. No, I love your presence more than that, God. And this is what the psalmist is saying here. He says, whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Capture the life in this right here. Capture the wind of the spirit on what the psalmist is writing about. He's writing about reorientation. He is writing about his heart getting set back on heaven. He says, my flesh and my heart will fail, but God, say, but God, 
is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I love verse 28. He says, but as for me, it is good to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Would you just seal it with praise right now? Come on, come on. I want you to lift your hands with me right now. We're going to close. And I want you to just open up your heart right now. And I want you to reorient. Would you just reorient your heart with me? Let's together set our hearts on heaven. Say, Lord, there's nothing I desire besides you. I set my heart on you right now. In just a moment, I'm going to open up these altars. And we're going to dismiss anyone that wants to be dismissed. And I want, I want our prayer team to get ready. Matter of fact, our prayer team and staff, would you just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit right now? Come on, I want to hear that prayer language just coming up to heaven right now, just, just between you and God right now, just praying, but you're praying for the service. Come on, prayer team, staff, praying the Holy Ghost right now, would you? That's too quiet. Come on, come on, stir it up, stir it up. And we're going to release our prayer team. And if you come up here, In just a moment, you can kneel, you can bow, you can stand, you can worship. We're going to worship together. Cynthia, would you come up? And and I want you to just get ready to release that song. Is this the second song or the third? Sarah, you come up too, baby. Where's Sarah? Where's my daughter? Okay. She's serving in the nursery. Come on, somebody. I want you to lift your hands and just thank God for his love yet I'm always always with you. And we're going to just release the love of God. We're going to release the manifest presence over your life. If you're in this place and you're like, man, I got to reorient. I want you to stand up right where you are. Come on, just stand up right where you are. Just say, I need to reorient. I need to reorient. Shh, people standing up all over the room. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands. Stand if if you're saying, yes, I need to reorient right now. Just stand up. Say, I need to reorient. You know, there are times I I have to reorient because as a dad and as a husband, sometimes I am the security and the love and the refuge my family needs. And sometimes my heart and flesh fail and I have to refuge in God. That's why I love the second song we sing, Your Love Never Fails. That's what reorient is about, is just totally just, oh, just resting in the love of the Father. You know, there's times I can see it on my kids' faces when I'm not being, when I'm not the anchor of love and security, I'm, I might be just be having a rough day, and I see the look on my faces like, Dad, Dad's just not himself right now. And there's times, and I'm not beating myself up, but there's times I'm like, that's when I the most need to say, God, I need to rest in you. I need to reorient. I got to reorient. If there's something going on, it's because my heart is not set in the, come on, dads, you know what I'm talking about. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. So let's reorient together and let's just say, whom do I have in heaven but you? There's none on earth I desire besides you. Shh.